So we're reading tonight from Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, and you can find that on page 1182 of your Bibles. So that's Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh with what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Great. Thanks so much, Francis. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you so much for this word. And we pray, Lord, that you'd be speaking to us by your spirit as we spend time in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we finished the summer. We're into term. And therefore, we're starting a new series. And we're in Colossians. We're looking at uh, church as God intends. And this is absolutely vital for us at a point in time where we are going into a new season. We are asking, what does it mean to be church? Uh, what is God calling us as a church, St. Michael's, to do? And therefore, from that point, we'll be on, able to ask the question, what kind of vicar would we like to replace Charles? So we're in church as God intends. And as we look at church, it's absolutely vital that we start with Christ, the one who is the head of the church, and we look at how we are reconciled to Christ. So that's where we are today. But you might ask, who are these Colossians who Paul is writing to? And why is Paul writing to them? What is the the background behind what's going on here. And so it might be helpful to know that when Paul was uh, on his missionary journey, he hit Ephesus in Asia Minor, southwest Turkey, and there he was doing what we might call uh, the lunch bar sessions. Uh, he was preaching about Christ during the siesta time. And during that time, there's this chap called Epaphras, and he came up to Paul. He wanted to know more about Jesus Christ. Paul shared Jesus with him. And he said, you know what? What are you saying about Jesus? I believe. And Epaphras grew in his faith in Christ. 
until he said, you know what? I'd love to take this message of Christ and what he's done for us back to my people. And these are the people who live in Colossae, who are just down the road. Um, So Colossae is east of Ephesus in Asia Minor, southwest Turkey, quite close to Laodicea. And in fact, Paul says, let this letter that he's written to Colossae be preached just down the road in Laodicea as well. And Paul is writing at the stage about 30 years after Jesus has died. So we're in AD 60-something. And the fantastic part of uh, this letter is it comes with a creed. Verse 15 to 20 are a creed, speaking about Christ and what he has done for us. And this creed, in fantastic form, was there and was being said in the churches already in AD 60s and has remained through almost 2,000 years. And after Paul writes this creed for them in verses 15 to 20, he applies the creed to their lives, the lives of the church in Colossae, in verse 21 to 23. And I've divided this up into three sections for your ingestion and digestion. So we're going to start off in verse 15 to 18 with him. And then we're going to look at the cross in verse 19 to 20. And finally, and you in verses 21 to 23. So him, the cross, and you. Now... Um, it's fantastic to have uh, children in the service, to have Isabella with us this morning. I've got three little boys, and my boys tend to have injuries. We, we quite often end up in St. Thomas's Hospital just down the road, which I want to give a big up to. Those guys are absolutely amazing, especially the children's wing. Uh, they're phenomenal. And I quite often need to keep my phone on silence during the week as I'm seeing people and whatever else. But my wife knows that if she needs to contact me in an emergency, it doesn't happen often, but if she needs to, and the phone's on silence, she can use this app called Find My Phone. Do you use Find My Phone? And if you use Find My Phone, it doesn't matter if it's in silence or not, the thing goes frantic. Beep, 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 louder and louder and louder until I attend to it and press my finger, type in the password. And then I've got to give her a call and say, what's the story? What's gone wrong now? And a couple of weeks ago, I was up in my study, and I had this beep, 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 beep. And so I gave her a call, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, she told me one of, my, one of our sons had fallen down the stairs. Now, we've had that before. And usually they go bonk, 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 and cry. And... It's, it's rough, but it's okay. This particular time, the child chose to save his toys and take the hit himself. So he didn't go bonk, bonk, bonk. There was just no noise and then a cry. Uh, and then he went a bit limp at the bottom and wanted to go to sleep. Uh, a couple hours later, he had thrown up three times, uh, which indicates to us that this is a little bit more serious than usual. So we darted across to Tommy's hospital and told them what had happened. And a nurse quickly popped a little thing on his finger or his toe to check his, uh, what did they check? Some sort of information about blood pressure and and that sort of thing. Uh, And then within about 45 minutes after that, two pediatric consultants had seen him 
and very soon after that, he had been rushed in to a CT scan. Now, he's absolutely fine. Uh, after a night in hospital, they decided it was just a, um, just a minor concussion, and he was okay. But the point is, doctors take head injuries very, very seriously. Because if you injure an arm, worst-case scenario, it's pretty bad, but worst-case scenario, you lose the arm. The same with the leg. You can live without a leg. You can live without a foot. You can live without many parts of your body. But if you lose your head, if there's serious damage to your head, you can't carry on going. And Paul wants to tell the letter, wants to tell the people in Colossae through his letter, don't lose your head. Just like a body can't carry on going without a head, the church cannot survive without its head which is Christ. We are the body of Christ, and he is the head. He wants to say, don't lose your head. Now, you've still got your Bibles open, and you are on page 1182, and as you look down from verses 15 to 20, can you tell me two words, they're three letters long, and they're repeated over and over and over again? Pop up your hand if you can see one of the two. Three letters long. They're two words that are repeated over and over again. Or shout it out. Elizabeth's got one. Do you? No, you don't have one. Emma's got one. All. All is one. Brilliant. Him. Tom's got him. Brilliant. Him and all. And, and this is the strong, this is what Paul wants to push. Him, him, him. Who is the him? Jesus and all, 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 all things. So what does he mean to say by this him and the all? Let's have a look at it. He says this. He says, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. God the Father is in heaven and you can't see him, but his Son, Jesus, has come to earth and taken flesh. He is the incarnate God. He is the firstborn over all creation. And firstborn here is taken to mean he's the heir of all creation. All things are his. All things belong to Christ. He says, for in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him. John, in John chapter 1 verse 10, tells us, that the world was made through him. Paul's saying yes, and everything else. And in his all things, in his description of this all and the him, Paul is trying to reach as wide as he can possibly go. He's saying things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, you can feel him trying to stretch out to everything that exists. And he says, all of that has been created by Christ through him. And then do you notice the next thing just before verse 17, and for him. Do you know that he created for Christ? For his glory? Do you know that Isabella, who just baptized, is a child of Christ, created for Jesus? And for his glory. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. 
He is the head of the body, the church. And the focus here, sometimes Paul talks about the body, the church, and he wants to show how all the pieces of the body hold together. He does that in Romans, the gifts in Romans 12. He does that in um, 1 Corinthians uh, 12. But here his focus isn't on the body. His focus is on the head of the body. And the head of the body is Christ. The importance of the head is that the, the body can't survive without the head. And the church cannot survive without Christ. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Firstborn from among the dead. He is the start of the recreation. Christ created all from the beginning and brought it all to being. And Christ brings in the recreation into being as well on the cross. He's the start of the recreation, the firstborn from among the dead. And then this is vital. He puts in a so that, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. All things are his so that he might be supreme in all things, so that he might have ultimate authority over all things. He might have ultimate power over all things. He might have ultimate status over all things. Over all things, he, Christ, is supreme. So this is what we find out in the section, that we've got him and we've got all things. And through it we see that Jesus is supreme. That's the hymn of verse 18, sorry, 15 to 18. But then Paul carries on going in verses 19 to 20. You see, uh, since Jesus is supreme, there will be a time that every knee will bow before him. Paul's told the Romans in Romans 14, verses 12, 11 to 12, he says, as it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. When every knee bows before God, all that he has created will have to give an account of their lives before God. And and this is really problematic because God is holy. He is other. He is perfect. And if he just knew what goes on in my heart, if he just knew what goes on in my head, if he just knew what I thought about, how can I possibly stand in that judgment in front of that supreme God who is all holy and perfect? Well, let's read verses 19 to 20. Paul carries on by saying, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So when Jesus was here on earth, he wasn't part God and part man. He was fully man 
and he was fully God. All the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus, a human being. I've heard people say, why couldn't, if there's a problem with sin and God's holy, why couldn't God just snap his fingers and sort it out? Why did he need to send Jesus to die? And the answer is that God did sort it out. He did it all on his own initiative. And he sorted it out by sending his son to earth. His son who was fully divine and yet fully human. And all we need to do is to respond as we'll find out. So through him, he reconciles to himself all things. There's a reconciliation. But it's through him. It's no other way. And there are two ways that we speak of this in the church. One way, significantly, is uh, at, at the Eucharist table. When uh, we eat the bread and we drink the wine, we're identifying with what he did for us. That is, blood was shed for us on that cross. And his body was broken for us. And we put our trust in him. And we do it through the baptismal pool, as Isabella did just a bit earlier. As Christ died on the cross, in baptism we sink someone under the water and we say they have died with Christ. And then they come out of the water and we say they have been raised with Christ. It's a declaration through faith of what has been done. So we saw him in all things was Jesus supreme. And as a result of Jesus' supremacy, he is able to make a sacrifice on our behalf, which is sufficient for us, where we don't need to do anything. We just accept that Christ has died for us and walk in that acceptance. So him plus the cross, Jesus is sufficient. And then finally, uh, Paul gets to the and you section where the hymns start moving away. You've got him, 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 and we hit the cross, and then we end up you, 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 you. So let's have a look at that section in verses 21 to 23 where he applies it. He says this, he says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Do you know that? There's been a time when you're alienated from God. The relationship that you were made to have with God was broken as a result of the stuff that we do, the whole life that we live that is against God and is against his glory. We're alienated from God. We're enemies of God in our minds because of our evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. He is the one who takes the initiative. We are the one. We are the ones who accept what Christ has done for us. It's not about our effort. It's not about our work. I can never do enough to please God. I can never do enough to be right in his sight. In fact, faith is quite the opposite. Faith is saying, I can't do enough to earn a right relationship with God. And therefore, I need to fall on my knees and say, 
this is either going to be your mercy or I'm not going to be right with you. And that's where we start and that's where we continue for the rest of our lives. Humbly saying, Lord, we need you in this. So it's his work, it's his effort. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body um, through death on that cross to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Do you know that if you've accepted Christ, when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see all that mess in your life. When you're in Christ, he sees Christ's perfect life, his perfect righteousness. That's how he sees you, without blemish, and you're therefore free from accusation. And that's how we start our faith in Christ. And that's how we continue our faith in Christ. He says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope you held out in the gospel, this is the gospel you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Brothers and sisters, we start with the gospel in receiving Christ and his work on our behalf. And we never graduate from the gospel. We carry on in the gospel. We carry on in that faith. We carry on in that hope. We carry on in that humility of knowing that Christ did it all for us. We never graduate from the gospel. And therefore, as Christians, we can't lose our heads because we lose Christ. And as a church, we can't lose our heads. We lose our life if we do that. There's nowhere to go to graduate from the gospel. So everything that we should do at St. Michael's is done around Christ and focused on him. We're a church here together at St. Michael's who are focused on on following Jesus, and therefore we want to grow and encourage each other in following Jesus. We come here on a Sunday and morning and evening to encourage each other in following Jesus. We grow in our discipleship, if you like. That's what happens at ATT on Tuesdays as we gather together. That's what happens in our home groups as we go deeper in the Bible. We grow in following Jesus, grow in our discipleships encouraging each other to focus on him who is our hope on Christ. And therefore that's why we go out to make disciples as well. As Paul shared Jesus with Epaphras, so we share Jesus when we're at work with people who sit in the office with us. We share Jesus at home. We share Jesus when we welcome people to the Alpha Course. We want to make disciples, make followers of Christ. And that's also why we send disciples. So Paul sent Epaphras back to Colossae. We send people around. We, we send the Parkers um, to, to East Africa. Um, John and Angela Field sent to Serbia. We send um, Karen and David Waldy. We're just about to send them to Bath to make and grow disciples in Bath. Rich and Anna Brown. We send them up to York to make and grow disciples. 
We're a church who sends disciples. That's part of who we are. We don't get upset when people leave. We encourage them to go. So as Epaphras was sent to make and grow disciples, the people here at St. Michael's can be sent to do the same. We're a church that grows disciples, that makes disciples, and sends disciples. And the discipleship is a following of Christ, a focus on him who is our head. So our focus here, our trust here, is in him, in Jesus, who is supreme over all things. And because he is over all things and is supreme, his death for us on the cross is sufficient. It is enough to guarantee us a relationship with God. And we are therefore saved by what he's done for us. Let's pray.